the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're Catholic, you're used to the priest and confessions, but for Protestants, do we really need a priest? We certainly do, and we'll tell you why next on Truth For Today. So here's the question we're proposing today. Why do you need a priest? Do you even need one? Well, the answer is yes, you need one. Why you need one is the subject of our time today and the rest of the week and into next week. Why you need a priest, and it's taken right out of Hebrews chapter 7. We need a merciful high priest, one that can sympathize with our every weakness. More on that now from Pastor Phil Howard here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules for today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turn to Hebrews 7. I think what a, uh, an appropriate passage. We're going to cover the whole chapter. And uh, I want you to get the flow of it. And uh, I want to speak on the subject, you need a priest. You need a priest. Let me say something about that. I did not grow up as a Roman Catholic or in any uh, religious tradition that you had a priest. Uh, Some even called their pastors the priest. So I didn't grow up around that and never thought of, I need a priest because I was not of that tradition. Uh, When I started uh, Bible college, I wound up in the area, uh, though I was of a different uh, denomination, I wound up in Baptist schools. All all my uh, graduate and bachelor's program was Baptist schools. Just by default, I wanted to stay at home, stay in the Bay Area, so I looked for Baptist schools around here. And I had to take Baptist church history. And one of the things they drill in you to be a Baptist was to believe in the priesthood of all believers. Have you ever heard of that? All believers are priests. The first pope said that, Peter, 1 Peter 2.9. He said, we are a royal priesthood. And the emphasis is, we don't need any middleman for us. We, uh, we can approach God for ourselves. Okay? Every believer is free to approach God for himself. And we don't have to have clergymen down here to get to God. But as I study, and as we will be looking at Hebrews, I do need a priest Real bad. I cannot approach God just on my own. I do have to go through a middleman. And there's only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So I don't just bop into the presence of God without a middleman. And you Protestants have forgot that. You hear this priesthood of the believer, which is true. But it's not a priest that just, I go zipping right in. Hello, God, I want to talk to you. No, 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 no. 
I draw nigh to God through the person of Jesus Christ. So I do need a priest, but he's not on this earth. He's in the heavens, in the true sanctuary of God. I do need someone. God says, I don't want you coming to me unless you come through my designated priest. Now, let me give you a summary and a flow of Hebrews 7. Follow me, okay? He is introduced in chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, that he's introducing the high priestly ministry of Christ. And he says in verse 5 and 6, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. As he talks on the subject by verse 11, he says, You guys have tuned me out. You don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm putting you to sleep, as it were. You you just checked out. Because here are Jews that are used to the Levitical priesthood. They've been approaching God through the household of Aaron. And all of a sudden, the author is talking about Melchizedek. What does Melchizedek have to do? I can't even spell it. What's that got to do with us? He begins to describe in the first 10 verses that Abraham in Genesis 14 met a priest by the name of Melchizedek. This priest was a king of righteousness. He was a king of peace. He was so greatly recognized by Abraham that he said, I want to pay you the tithes off of this battle where I just rescued Lot. Here's the tithe. I want to, I want to give you something. And I remember this man just shows up. He has no genealogy. He has no ancestry. The debate is, was this a real man or was this God the Son? I take it to be a real man. He said he was a resemblance of Christ. He was a type of Christ, but I take that he was a real person. But Abraham, when he meets him, I want to give tithes. Uh, you, You need to receive this on behalf of God. And he says in this man, in the first 10 verses, that even Levi, who was in the loins of Abraham, this was common, he was representing the tribe of Levi that had not even been born yet, but that would come out of his posterity. He says, Levi in the loins of Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. So the the argument is, There is a priesthood in the pages of Scripture greater than the Levitical priesthood that he is going to say is passing away. There's a greater priesthood that even the father of the nation, the father of the faithful, acknowledge a greater priest. He never did have the Aaronic priesthood. He never was under Levi. This is before law. This is before all of the Aaronic priesthood. There was a great priest that he gave his tithes to that was superior to the Levitical priesthood. He wants to establish that. And that's rocking these people. Whoa, whoa. And he's just pivoting off of Psalms 110. Thou art my son, this day I've made you a priest forever. A priest forever. Before the Levitical priesthood. Now, He's going to pick up in verses 11 through 19 and starts telling you the inferiority of the Levitical priesthood, that it was weak, that the men 
who served in it were weak. The priests were flawed. They had to offer sacrifices for themselves. They did it for the people. They did it for themselves. It was a priesthood subject to death. So it wasn't permanent. You, you get to like in this one priest, hey, he just died. Or they would b- retire at the age of 50. Have any of you had to get a new doctor? If you live long enough, your doctors retire. Your dentist retired. I've been with these two doctors and, de- and both retired. I really didn't like starting with a new doctor. I want to know they know my case. As soon as they meet me, they do a double check on the file. Is this guy this bad off? It's kind of, and so here Israel was. Their high priest didn't know their name. Their high priest, there was, it was changing, changing. They were dying. The men who represented you were as sinful as you in many ways. And it goes on to say, hey, it, it was passing away. Look at verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek than one named after the order of Aaron? For there is a change in the priesthood. There's also a change in the law. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, Christ he is from the tribe of Judah. He has, he's in the line of Melchizedek. Now, here's the thing. When you read about the story of Melchizedek, he shows up, no ancestry. And to be a Levitical priest, you had to have a record of your ancestry that took you all the way back to Aaron. If you don't have a pedigree, if you don't have a birth certificate that says you're a Cohen, Cohen. That's the Hebrew word for priest. We have a missionary, Oded Cohen. That's a priestly name. If it doesn't go back, and yet all of a sudden, here comes this guy Melchizedek. You don't have any records of my genealogy. You have no records of my ancestry. I'm not related to Aaron. I'm superior to him. And Christ comes along and says, hey, There's no record of Christ all the way back to eternity. He is a priest because of his character, because of his eternality, because he's God. He's not in the Aaronic priesthood, that inferior representative. Here's the thing. You don't need a priest if you can do this, if you can obey God perfectly. You don't need a priest. The priests were invented to do two things to represent sinful people to God, and the priest went in under the threat of his life and to offer sacrifices. Why? Because the people are so wonderful? It's because they're sinful. This is the issue. Who can represent me to God in all my sin, in all my weaknesses, and walk away with a good verdict? Who can represent you to God And tell everything there is to know about you that God knows. And you get off without penalty. That's the issue. And so that's why we need a priest. That's why we need the sacrificial system. I have sinned. I do sin. Even the man offering the sacrifice sins. When it's from the household of Aaron. 
But now God has something better for us. Melchizedek, 10 verses. Levitical priesthood, 9 verses. Now let's pick up and look at what we get in Christ's priesthood. The third priesthood he mentions. Watch this in verse 20. And it was not without an oath that Christ was made a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. All the way back to Psalms. Okay. This makes Jesus the guarantee of a better covenant. You're going to have to get this priesthood down. He guarantees he actually was the bail bondsman. This word was used, a posting bond. I guarantee this will be paid. This will be putting up earnest money that we will pay the debt. And Christ says, I will be the guarantee of a better covenant coming based upon my priestly work in ministry. Now watch. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. What a blessed thought. You you know, we think about crucifixion day and you think about resurrection day. Have you ever asked yourself, what in the world is Jesus doing up there now? What is he doing now? Just hanging out in heaven? Well, I'll tell you what keeps him busy is you. He's busy up there representing you on the basis of his death. He's there. He's doing lots of things in heaven. He's not still on the throne. He's active on it. He's walking among his lampstands. Uh, he's, He's guiding all the affairs of the world. And it says... He'll never die, so this is a permanent office for him, for his people. And now let's begin to examine what does he do while he's up there. Watch this, verse 25. It says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is our priest out of a divine oath. Jesus is our priest permanently. And Jesus is the guarantee that his priesthood will work. But now, let's look at this verse. He now, part of him being able to save you completely, is tied to his present priestly ministry. Now, a priest, I get a sacrifice. I take it in to the Holy of Holies. If you're doing this once a year at Passover, I present this offering. I want you, God, to accept the offering. Do you accept? If you accept, I can go out and tell them your sins have been forgiven for another 360 days. The debt will be due next year at the 14th of the month. Only a year. I only get you off for 360 days at a time. And maybe the priest died that did that last year. We got a new priest going all through it again. Now, Christ has gone into heaven. 
And he's acting as a priest. Wait just a moment. Wait. You can't be a priest without a sacrifice. The priest doesn't go in there. I plead for Israel on the basis of my character that you spare them. God says, well, I might as well kill you right now because you've you're, you got sin too. The one representing the people is full of weakness and sin, according to Hebrews 5. But Christ, what he did, he does this. He dies on Friday. He's resurrected on Easter. He goes to heaven, and he comes to the Holy of Holies, and it's like he lays down on the Ark of the Covenant, said, Father, here's the sacrifice, me. And from now on, when I pray for my people, I will pray for them and intercede on the basis of what I have done, not upon their merit. He never pleads, go easy on them because they didn't mean it. Go easy on them because they don't really have a fault. No, no, they're guilty. I didn't die because they were nice. I died because they were guilty. And I'm pleading the merits of my death, not the merit of the one I represent. You got to get that straight. Because a lot of Christians, they're trying to get the merit. They're trying to get it all together. And we hope you stop robbing banks and, you know, doing some of the honorary things you did. Yeah, that'd be nice. You better. It's proof you met him. But he pleads the merit of the sacrifice. What's the sacrifice? Himself. Once for all. He's not in the sacrifice business anymore. One for all time, but now his priestly ministry is tied to that sacrifice for you. So, number one benefit, he is able to save you. And what did he say? He can save you completely or to the uttermost. Now, that uttermost, we used to say that meant to the guttermost. Well, he saves if you're in the gutter, but he saves you also if you own the bank. So, what does uttermost mean? It has two ideas originally in the Greek language. It could be temporally taken to be, he'll save you as long as time shall last. That is, it has a temporal significance. Uh, Forever would be the translation. But there's another use of the word, and it's a kind of adjectival quality. He saves you thoroughly and completely. Did you know you were a mess when God found you? And you needed to be saved in three ways. You needed to be delivered from the divine penalty of God for your sins. So he's got to figure out that. How can I get them off? How can the penalty be taken care of? Then, once the penalty, once we get out of the courtroom and we've settled up with justice, now I'm back on the beat. Woo! We beat that, but I need the power not to do any more of the wrong deeds. Where do I get the power to no longer act like a sinner? Where do sinners get saved from acting like sinners? He has to save me in that way, too. And that's why he spends a lifetime weaning us from our sins in our behavior. How you doing? How's your mouth? How's your morals? How you doing on your temper? What are you doing with your eyes? Can you look on a woman without lusting after her? How you doing on greed? 
Can you, have, can you give money or do you just hoard it? How you doing? How's God saving you in this area? He'll chisel on you, chisel on you. And maybe some, some of you, the last thing you do in this life is give an offering. Then he'll take you home. So see there, I knew I could teach you to give. You just drop it in the plate, boom, gone. They learned that. I see some of you right now grabbing your heart. Don't, don't, don't save my money. Save my wallet, Lord. And then, uh, you live old enough, you're going to feel aches and pains and mortality. Uh, and you're going to think, am I going to be stuck being saved in this frame that's got all these pains and aches and things are slowing down? He said, oh, no, I've got to save you from a body that's been touched by sin. And at the fall, everything began to decay and deteriorate because you're living out on one hand the death sentence I put on the Adamic race. You're dying. You're dying. But I'm going to even the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And I'm going to destroy death. And I'm going to give you a brand new body. So I'm going to save you in three phases. But I can save you completely. Based upon my crossword and my intercession. Save completely. <laughs> and he goes on. What else does he say here? Uh, he's able to save to the uttermost. Everybody in the world. Does it say that? Who does he save? Ah, uh, uh, those who draw near to God. Now watch this. How do you get near to God? Through him. See, you don't just go bouncing into, you got to go through a mediator. You got to go through a priest. You can get near God if you come through Jesus. You cannot get near to God Without Jesus, or he will, as it were, you'll be destroyed. This, you remember when Moses got the uh, uh, law on Mount Sinai? They had to rope off the mountain so the people would not be consumed. When God is manifesting his holiness, unholy people don't have a chance. But you, as an unholy sinner, can approach God through Jesus. I love what Job said in Job's 9. He said, who could ever be justified in your sight? He begins the chapter that way. And at the end, he said, oh, I would, I would that I had an arbiter that could lay his hands on me and lay his hands on God at the same time and bring us together. But I don't have any such arbiter. That was before Jesus came. Now we've got the arbiter. Lays his hand on us and lays his hand on God. He's the bridge. He said, you can get to God through me. Come through me and you won't be consumed. You won't, you won't be fried. You won't be sentenced to hell. You can come. And, uh, hi, uh, Jesus said, I call you father. Yes, you may. Jesus said, you forgave me. Is that right? Yeah. What did I do to merit it? Was it that last offering? Not with your giving record. It's his record. It's your middleman that gained you access. You can talk to me. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Be bold. 
If you can't, if Jesus was the passcode you used to get to me, you're you're on good ground. If you come to God, you must come through the Son. You can't get to Him through Allah. You can't get to Him through Muhammad. You can't get to Him through Buddha. You can't get to Him through penance. You can't get to Him through this church. You can't get to Him through money. You can't get to Him any other. There's only one way you can get to God, and it's through the Son. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spending God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? Another note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the Pastor Emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.